He's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. If you're at lunch, or if you have no appetite, now is a good time to switch off the radio. It will not be pleasant listening. Welcome to the Lawrence Ross Show. You sound a little taller on radio. A two-hour weekly exploration into the mind of a man who calls it like he sees it, but he can't see his audience. So what if I'm blind? At least I don't have to look at your ugly face. Want to interact with this fool? Call or text the comment line. 813-602-2715. Hope you enjoy the program because no refunds will be issued. And we'll do it live. The Lawrence Ross Show. What is happening, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in tonight. If you'd like to get a hold of me via the telephone, 813-602-2715, or you can send me a tweet, twitter.com, Blind Lawrence. Got a lot of ground to cover. But first... Vaccinated for the second time. The YouTube channel is no more. And some interesting stuff on Al Capone because the other day was the anniversary of the time when Geraldo Rivera opened up the vault and got nothing. <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Lawrence Ross Show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Checking my levels real quick. I just want to see if I'm at something here. Let's what am I sitting at? Okay. Uh, this is so bizarre. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, but anyway, just want to say, uh, okay, uh, getting into, uh, okay, uh, well, if you want to give me a call tonight, 813-602-2715, or you can send me a tweet, uh, twitter.com, at Blind Lawrence. You can also check me out on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Blind Lawrence. And also check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Lawrence Ross. And uh, the show's Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Ross 87 and of which I'd like to say thank you to a brand new person who liked the page. What the? <laughs> Why is it not play? Wait, is, is it playing? Uh, wait, hold on a minute. Stand by. There we go. I, I need anything turned up. Okay, okay, take two. Thank you to a new person for liking the page. <laughs> Thank you to uh, Polly Ballesteros. Or Ballesteros. Uh, thank you, Polly, for liking the page. I've known Polly for a few years now. She's a very nice woman. Uh, Amber's mom. I've talked about Amber on the program before. Uh, so, uh, uh, Polly, thank you for liking the page. 
Farewell. 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 Mr. Gloom, be on your way. If you think you're gonna worry, you can stop it in a hurry. Sing Polly Wally Doodle all day. <laughs> What the? Oh, gee, oh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm terribly sorry, folks. I, I, I forgot to tell you all that. Uh, not only with me doing this radio show tonight via an ISDN line because I told this guy in advance I was getting my coronavirus shot, so he split town and went back to Quahog. Uh, Stewie, uh, why'd you give me the, uh, the buzzer after Polly Wally Doodle Man? That's a. Uh, it's a cute song. Would you not like the song? Do 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 do. Look look look, man. You're gonna get canceled if you play the whole thing. What if I'm gonna get canceled if I play the whole thing? Look, man. You're gonna get canceled if you play the whole thing. I seriously doubt that. Oh, you seriously doubt that? All right then. Do we have some sort of wager or something? If you get kicked off, that means I get to start a brand new show. Uh. All right, uh, but I'm not going to play it just yet. Ooh. Yeah, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, like, like I'm going to cancel if I play the whole thing. You know, it was, it was, it was just in, it was written in a different time period, and back then you could, you know, you, you, you could do stuff like that and not be afraid of the repercussions, but now it seems as if if you do stuff like that, you know, you get to, you know, you make, you make one joke and everybody, everybody guns for you, man, it sucks. Yeah, oh, and another thing, man. Yeah? We got a kiss house when it comes to the ladies out there. Yeah, well, I'm just, uh, I'm just being nice, man. You're just being nice. Yeah, okay, man. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, just want to say congratulations to, uh, Paula Moore. She, uh, somebody liked the page last week, uh, a little while ago. She is now a U.S. citizen and as well as a citizen of the U.K., all right, fantastic. Yep, that, that, that's, that's good news about her. All right. Uh, just, uh, just, uh, just let me do the show, all right, man? Ooh, all right. And, uh, okay. All right, so after the show, uh, okay, so now it's time to get, okay, okay, so the, uh, all right. All right, now, uh, I want to talk about this before I get to the personal recap, uh, Saw this on uh, Facebook on uh, is either Tuesday or what? It was uh, I think it was Wednesday. I see something on Facebook. Thomas posted that the YouTube channel that used to house all of our stuff, as well as various video game clips and things of that nature, it received twenty seven strikes. And so, long story short. The YouTube channel that used to have our archives, used to have the archives going all the way back to 2009. All of those, that, that, that channel, gone. So, and uh, I, I texted Thomas, I said, wow, I can't believe the channel is gone. He hasn't responded back yet, but uh, it just, it sucks, man. It sucks because, you know, people can't go back and revisit some of our old stuff. Uh, but anyway, this is just, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, but if anybody wants to check, uh, but uh, it's just, it sucks. It sucks that this happened because it seems as if YouTube, it's very, they're very selective as to who they'll go after versus who they won't go after. And it seems like 
I don't know. It seems like sometimes the smaller channels get in a little bit more trouble than the bigger channels do. I know that sometimes the I have heard of the bigger channels being uh, being what's known as demonetized. Basically, that means is you can't make any money off of the stuff that you post once you've reached a certain uh, level. Uh, but anyway, so Friday night after the show, uh, not all that much. Basically, just uh, hung around, just checked out the show for our quality purposes and all that stuff. And then uh, Saturday and Sunday really wasn't all that much other than just uh, laundry on Sunday. So that was that with that, really. Uh, work has been work, although I took today off because I got my second uh, coronavirus vaccine. And uh, the only, you know, and, and the thing that thing I've been told is that the first shot, you might experience a little soreness, which is what I did experience. And then I'd heard stories of people who said when they got their second shot, it was incredibly painful. There are some people who have said, well, I felt ill. Some people uh, had no symptoms whatsoever. Uh, give you a little timeline. It's what I've been, uh, 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 is as to what my experience has been. So I get the uh, shot at around nine, I'd say, yeah, about, about like 940. 9.42. And the thing I often heard was, yeah, wait till hour 12. You're going to be singing a different tune, man. <laughs> but I'd say it kind of hit around like 6.40 or so. And the only thing to really speak of, other than just incredible soreness in the left arm, the only thing to really speak of is uh, just, you know, a little tired, a little fatigued. And so, uh, uh, so I've been drinking water. And uh, the the other thing, uh, the other thing I did last night, I just uh, um, I just uh, kicked back in the uh, tub for a little bit. Just sat down in the nice warm bathtub and just uh, just sat there for a little bit. And uh, so I, I I think that might have helped. I mean, I, I, but uh, yeah. Uh, so I don't have any real complaints about it. She said, "Hey, you know, I'm happy that I did it." And so uh, now, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. What happens uh, from this point on? I do have a coronavirus uh, story uh, for this week. I also have a story about uh, a, th- a phenomenon called thunder asthma. This is something that I'd never heard of before. And a uh, bunch of other stuff. So now that, uh, okay, well, okay. Normally this is where I would bring in Jim Rome for sports and things of that nature. But admittedly, there really has not been all that much to talk about in regards to sports other than just that the Tampa Bay Lightning have been playing for the uh, 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 have been playing for the past week uh, against uh, Columbus. And uh, it's and it's, 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 I, saw, I saw this clip uh, today. I just now have time to pull it. It was of the goalie for Columbus. And he's doing a press conference, and he just says, I'm tired. I'm sick of it, man. I'm sick of losing so much, man. What you got to remember, folks, is that Columbus, the Blue Jackets, they're currently on an eight-game losing streak. And they say they don't want to be like Buffalo, who's lost 18 in a row. They don't want to be like that. But they, they, they're they on a two-game losing streak against the Lightning, and I think that streak is only going to get bigger come Sunday when they play them. That's just my opinion. I, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I, I could be totally wrong about this. I mean, when it, when it comes to sports, admittedly, I, I'm not really good with a lot of uh, stats and figures and things of that nature. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I mean, there's only so much that I know. Uh, but uh, I was going to my Facebook, and Facebook has that memory section, and I saw that April 19th was the anniversary of when Aaron Hernandez uh 
took his own life. Now, let me just say this, that I'm, uh, I'm a very sensitive man. You know, I, 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 I try to, uh, you know, try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but when you look at the situation that you're dealt with, this, uh, Aaron Hernandez guy, he was a bad egg, killed one of his own friends, mind you. And, uh, then he tried to get his conviction overturned. That didn't work out. And his lawyer, by the way, <laughs> the guy who tried to uh, help him out was a guy named Jose Baez. Jose Baez, the only other thing people know him for is that he, he was Casey Anthony's lawyer back in 2011. We all know how that case worked out. Didn't exactly work out. I, th- I, th- I think the jury dropped. I-, I think somebody dropped the ball in that case, but... That's the that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to get into my uh, theory about that just yet. Uh, but so I was looking at this. Uh, so I was reading all the articles about Hernandez killing himself, and you know it's very hard to have sympathy for a man who killed his friend and then doesn't take responsibility for it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in all fairness. Hernandez was serving a life sentence anyway, so he was going to die in prison anyway, so he just sped up the process. So I did this uh, bit, I had an idea for, uh, uh, I had this uh, little idea, Uh, this is a takeoff on the Jim Rome show, and this is the part of the show where he he fields calls from people, but all they want to do is just throw in tasteless joke after tasteless joke. So here we go. It's Jim Rome, Aaron Hernandez, Smack on the Lawrence Ross Show, back after this. What is up? A tremendous Friday to each and every one of you in the jungle. I am Jim Rome, broadcasting live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios. Save me your Bill O'Reilly sexual harassment smack, because I'm broadcasting from the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios. All right? Just like the veteran clones with their Burt and Ernie smack. Now, for the new clones, let me reset. The Burt and Ernie thing on this show is a dead issue. Why? They're freaking puppets. They have no sexual preference, nor do they have sexual organs. Give it a rest. Coming up in 10 minutes, we're going to have on David Fisdale, coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. Going to talk about him going off on the officials. When the team lost against San Antonio the other night. It's a great game, by the way. All right. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to the phones. Marcus in the natty. Marcus, talk to me, bro. Pimp in the box. Hey, Romy, did you notice that Aaron Hernandez's number was 81, but now his number is just minus six? All right, you're out. Keep calling, weakling. Clones. Do not bring me your Aaron Hernandez suicide smack, because I am not up for it. Roscoe in Tampa. Hey, Romy, did you see that the Buccaneers are going to be on Hard Knocks on HBO this season? It's going to be incredible. Hope they have a really good season. Uh, hey, Vince Smack, one question for you. Who do you think choked worse, the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51 or Aaron Hernandez with his bed sheet? All right, you're out. For the dude rolling around in his sled who may have missed it, no Hernandez smack, all right? It stinks. Just like the guy in your office who microwaves fish from the night before. His girlfriend cooked him a salmon, and he's all happy about it. So he wants to bring it in 
and share the stench with everybody else. It's always if the girlfriend says to him, it's okay, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me, it's going to make your office smell like a dumpster outside of Denny's. Just enjoy it and keep crunching those numbers. Chad in Indiana. Chad, what's up? Hey, Romy, thanks for the vine. Hey, what's blue, stiff, and goes around a bed sheet? <laughs> Aaron Hernandez's neck. <laughs> All right, you just got ran. Do I got to beat you clones over the head with this, man? Seriously. Brian and Beantown, you're on Jim Rome. Hey, Romy, what's Ann Hernandez's favorite song? Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Ah! No. You don't like that car. I don't like that car. Not a very good car. You're freaking killing me, clones. Just killing me. Roger in Arizona. Hey, Jim, last night I was making dinner for my family, and when I was chopping the onions, I was crying worse than Aaron Hernandez's mama. All right, clones, I am done. Clones, how many times have you experienced that 2.30 feeling? You know what I'm talking about. You drink your cup of Starbucks, and then a couple hours later, you have that 2.30 feeling. Well, not with 5-hour energy and extra-strength 5-hour energy. Bang some of those down, and then see how you feel. 5-hour energy. Get more at 5hourenergy.com. David Fisdale, coming up next. Jim Rome Show, CBS Sports Radio. The Lawrence Ross Show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a uh, little thing that I uh, thought of. I, uh, um, it's just a, uh, you know, it's a little idea that I had, and uh, just uh, had a lot of fun doing it. <sighs> so there we go with that. All right. What else do I got? All right. Uh, now, uh, talk about this. Uh, this is. Uh, I've been seeing this in my news feed, and. Uh, Probably figured out how to uh, turn that uh, turn that feature off so I don't see this kind of ad anymore. But anybody who's listened to this show for a long time, I have documented many times my experiences with online dating, and uh, none of them have transpired into anything that I can speak of that would be considered uh, successful. So I see this app, I, I see this little sponsored ad or banner, whatever the heck it is. It's an app called Hinge. And I don't know what makes them so special. Uh, but Well, first of all, they claim three out of four people who meet on this app, they'll, usually, they'll get a second date out of it. Or, or uh, like, no, wait. I'm sorry, I messed it up. What 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 they say is that they say three out of four people go on a second date after using this app. First of all, I don't think that number is accurate. I think they're embellishing their numbers. I think they're exaggerating. Uh, and then they also say in their little thing, find our app, use it, then delete it. What? What kind of pitch is that? So you're saying you want me to download this app, use it, and then delete it. You know when people download apps and they use them and they delete them? 
there's a pretty good reason why they deleted the app because either they didn't like it or maybe the app didn't work. So why would you why would you download why would this app be suggested to download to your system and then you use it and then after using it you delete it? Do they have this belief that the very first person that you meet on this app will be the one that will be with you forever and ever until the end of time? Is that what they think? I I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a second. I don't buy that for a second. And so in regards to this app, this is what this app gets. Oh, yeah. Darn it. Hold on. I didn't have the thing turned up. Tick two. This is, what, this is what the app gets. And, well, this is pretty much good. Well, uh, yeah, so, yeah, and I've, 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 I've tried the uh, the various dating apps over the years. Like, the very first one that I tried was Match.com. And I've always found this to be kind of funny that the guy who invented Match.com... <laughs> oh, jeez. This is just so weird to me. The guy who invented Match.com lost his girlfriend... To a guy she met on Match.com. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> I, I, I wonder if wonder if he realized, oh gosh, I create a monster when I did this. So I tried uh, Match.com. And that yielded nothing. Then I, was, then I was really out of the game for quite some time in regards to online dating. So tried... Uh, Let's see. I've I, I tried uh, tried plenty of fish. <laughs> Nothing. I tried uh, Tinder, which is a which is an app, which is primarily for hookups. But I just wanted to you know, I just wanted to test the waters there. And well, this is what I got there. <laughs> Isn't that something? Can't even be selected for a hookup. Or like a quick, hey, you know, let's 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 meet up and hang out. On a, uh, yeah. And then, uh, well, let's see. As I said earlier, plenty of fish that went nowhere. Zeusk, that yielded nothing. Of course, of course, it got very repetitive because I kept seeing a lot of the same stuff on there. A lot of it was like, like, like a lot, like a lot of the people in there. I look on their profile, nine times out of ten. They would say their favorite movie was The Notebook, which I haven't seen that movie yet. I don't know if I should watch it so I can fully understand relationships or what. I honestly don't know. But uh, so, yeah, tried that. That site went nowhere. Uh, Tried a Bumble. That's the site where the woman initiates the first move and that yielded yeah exactly yeah so there you go so i'm what like oh for five now over six this is uh not a uh not a very good track record this is getting very one-sided uh and well there's one more that i tried uh eHarmony i was like to give them two buzzers because i personally think this is just my opinion. I personal. This is just my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. It is of my opinion that Dr. Neil Clark Warren doesn't care 
about the people who sign up for the website. All they care about is the almighty dollar. And you know what? This isn't just eHarmony. This is Match.com. This is Plenty of Fish. This is Zeusk. This is OkCupid. This is Hinge. This is Tinder. This is Bumble. This is all of them. All of them. All they care about is the money. They could care less about your relationship. They don't give a damn, and they never did. And I've talked about this before, but one one somewhat amusing answer to uh, uh, one little amusing story about my escapades on eHarmony was. I remember I had set the filter for local matches. So I'm scrolling through it one day, looking at all of the matches they suggest me for that day, sending messages to all of them, and either getting no response or getting a short response and the conversation suddenly ending. But one particular person was from Nigeria. Yeah, that's local. (laughs) That's just a hop, skip, and a jump away, folks. And they totally have it wrong because I'm looking for a woman. I don't want to be sitting across the table from a Nigerian prince who is crying his eyes out because his uh, because his father was killed by a tribe of pygmies and he has $647,000 he's willing to share with me if I give him $300,000. Yeah, because that's love. Anyway, I wrote a song about my experience with eHarmony.com, and I'll be back after this. It's the Lawrence Ross Show. In my apartment all alone, scrolling on my iPhone, looking for a nice woman online. My profile's boring at me, they're just snoring. Why is this an uphill climb? E-harmony, e-harmony. Man, the site wouldn't even let me drive Miss Daisy. They moved on, man, not again. I can't take all this rejection. I only want just one woman, eHarmony. Well, I'm just passing on the sofa deep in a root beer coma. It's such a sad sight to see. There's no girls, my lord. I'm feeling really bored. I hope the 40-year-old virgin ain't me. Come on, ladies. Someone date me. I hope I'm not sounding like a charity. Dr. Neil Clark Warren. I really think he is a sham. I think that whole damn site's a scam. E-harmony.
in my apartment all alone Scrolling on my iPhone Looking for a nice woman online Looking for a lover But I feel like a sucker Online dating is overhyped E-harmony E-harmony Man, the site wouldn't even let me drive Miss Daisy Come on, ladies, someone date me If you get me at the friend zone, then you'll be gravy the Lawrence Ross Show, hope you guys enjoyed that that was a, uh, That's probably one of the most autobiographical things I've ever done on this program in regards to a uh, little tune i think but uh i just you know at 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 this at this point i i i don't know what to do anymore i i i i don't know what it is that i'm supposed to do i don't know what exactly it is that i'm i don't know why it ends up the way that it does. I just, I don't understand it at all. And I understand you have to take rejection before you get accepted. I get that. But over time, if you get rejected over and over again, after a while, I don't know, it's it's pretty discouraging, you know? We want to try and get something done and... When you're, you know, when when you're met with resistance at every turn, I, I don't know. It's just, like, I, I don't know. And it seems, I don't know. It seems like, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's very, I don't know. It's, it, I don't know. It's, it's very, I don't know. It's very taxing for me, I guess you could say. But at any rate, eh, eh, probably gripe about it some other time. Uh, let's see. What's this do I got? Oh. Okay, uh, okay, something I could do here. So, uh, 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 <clears throat> interesting little factoid that, uh, Sunday's a pretty unique day. It's, uh, the birthday of two men. And there's a connection between these two guys and the Simpsons. And some old school prank, and, uh, and, uh, some old school prank calls. So, here we go. So, this is uh, the scene from the movie Heat with Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Henry Rollins is also in it, and also so with Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria and Al Pacino share the same birthday, April 25th. They were in the same scene together, which was filmed on April 25th. Here's that scene. Well, I... oh, yeah, hang on. Did I think... No, I didn't think... Okay, here we go. Take two. Here we go. Well, you can't go in there. Watch this. Excuse me. That uh, Tim, wait, I got to clean wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. You have to have an appointment. Can I help you? Are you Alan Marciano? Yeah, and who the fuck are you? Ah, am I? Hey. hey. Lieutenant hey. Vincent Hanna, LAPD. LA, this is Las Vegas. You don't even have jurisdiction here. Hey. Hey, hey, I don't know who the fuck you guys think you're pushing around, but I know people here, okay? Las Vegas PD takes you into custody. You are extradited to Newark on a New Jersey warrant for smuggling cigarettes up from North Carolina three years ago, or you go to work for us. Cut and dried. That is it. Oh, shit. 
Charlene Shaherless. Who? 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 Were you a fucking owl? The lady you've been talking dirty to on telephone every day last week. Yeah, all right. You know what? You can't tie me to her. Yeah, well, who needs to? Because your ass is on a plane back to New Jersey, Jagoff. Oh, man. I just... Why'd I get mixed up with that bitch? Because she got a great ass! And you got your head all the way up it! Jesus. <laughs> Ferocious, aren't I? When I think of asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me. So? So? No big thing. All I want is her husband and his whole fucking crew. Now, now you're going to work with Sergeant Trucker here. Okay, so... All right, so there we go. And, uh... Interesting, uh, uh, interesting little six, de- interesting six degrees of separation, and that uh, Hank Azaria has done many voices on The Simpsons, and one of the characters that he does is Mo the bartender, and Mo the bartender is based off of a not so good Al Pacino impression that Hank Azaria would do. He was in a play, uh, uh, he was in a play production of Dog Day Afternoon, and as Pacino, he would. Uh, and he would play the part of Pacino's character, and he would say stuff like, they're fucking coming down on me. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So he decided just to make that make, make that guy sound a little bit more gravelly. And when he made him sound gravelly, that's how he came up with the character voice there of uh, Mo the Bartender. Hey, 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 hey. No outside food. That guy. Now, for any of the old school fans of The Simpsons, back in the day, Bart used to make prank calls to Mo. He'd ask for ridiculous names like Al, last name Koholic, uh, Oliver, last name Clothes Off, stuff like that. Well, those weren't original ideas from The Simpsons. They were rather lifted. From, they were inspired by, back in the 70s, there were these two dudes Joe and Elmo, I believe, but they're known as the Bumbar Bastards, known as uh, the Two Bar Tapes, and they were walking outside, and uh, and they they had uh, and so they grew up in New Jersey, and there was this one bar called the Two Bar. It was owned by this guy named Red, and Red he was a brutal kind of a dude, man. Like he, from what I heard, is that he he would beat customers up if they, if they didn't drink their beer quick enough. Uh, there was, uh, no ladies were allowed to be in that place ever. It was just, it it was, it was a, it was a crazy kind of place. And so back in the, so back in the day, these guys used to call this guy red up and they used to give him the same treatment. They'd ask for ridiculous names and his comebacks were 10 times as dirty. So they had to really, really tone him down for the Simpsons. But here's just, here's an example of, of the two, of the two bar tapes. And then. Uh, a little example as to how the Simpsons did it. So here we go. Hello, how's Ben? Hello, Ben. What number do you want? It's a two bar, right? Yes. Let's get to Ben, please. Who do you want to talk to? Ben. Ben? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody's name Ben? Ben. Ben. Nobody. Oh, his name is Mr. Dover. Mr. Dover's last name is. Who is it? Last name is Dover. Ben Dover. <laughs> ben Dover. <laughs> <laughs> ben Dover. <laughs> 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 <
Oh, have you been those? I can fuck you. Man, and there are hundreds of calls like that. When I say hundreds of calls, I mean hundreds and hundreds of calls because this was back in the uh, 70s, long before they had caller ID. And so, so, so these guys, they, start, they started uh, passing tapes around, and a bunch of different uh, people started checking them out, like, uh, like, like, like I think some of the baseball players were into it, and Matt Groening got a copy of the tape, and he thought the tape was great. And so they incorporated uh, the tube bar stuff into The Simpsons. Here's, here's just one example. Most tavern where the elite meet to drink. Uh, yeah, hello, is Mike there? Last name, Roch. Hold on, I'll check. My crotch! My crotch! Hey, has anybody seen my crotch lately? <laughs> Listen to me, you little puke. One of these days, I'm gonna catch you, and I'm gonna carve my name on your back with a nice pick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Oh, that's always fun. Oh, gosh. Love that stuff. All right, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, all right, uh, well, let's see. Uh, Speaking of The Simpsons, I saw this article where Hank Azaria has basically said, where Hank Azaria has basically apologized for basically, I guess you could say, uh, uh, in regards to his portrayal of the Apu character. I mean, I mean, to, to see the way that character was unceremoniously taken off the show is just completely upsetting because it just shows that it seems as if the big question is is it really worth standing behind your art anymore because now it seems as if what was okay 30 years ago now is problematic and Apu was taken off the show not because of some letter writing campaign, not because of, uh, you know, uh, not because of like a change.org petition or anything like that. No, no, no. It was some guy who calls himself a comedian. I don't think he's a comedian. I don't, th I, I, I don't think he's funny at all. I don't even know the guy's name, but he did this documentary called The Problem with Apu, and he puts it out, and one of the things he says in the documentary, he says, three to five minutes into it, he says, he basically says, yeah, you can call me a snowflake. That's exactly what this guy is, because he tries, because he basically got his way. That is what I think. He got his way, and the social justice warriors have won again. Boy, oh boy. Political correctness is one of the most incorrect things I've ever heard of. Because it seems as if all of these people who complain about the words that you use, it seems as if all they want to do, you know, it seems as if you're in conversation with them, they'll stop you and say, you're supposed to say this. You're supposed to say, you're supposed to say this. Excuse me. You're supposed to say this. So now, so the question is, are, are they are they trying to make us talk longer 
uh, when we speak, but be proper about it. That's their end game. Then uh, I am not going to cowtail or bow down or cave, submit to these gender neutral individuals who may or may not identify as either having two X chromosomes to an X X an X chromosome and a Y chromosome, or the one identify as a bowl of spaghetti today. I'm not doing that. No. No. So, yeah. So, this this guy, in my opinion, is a snowflake. He's not a comedian. And because of this guy, now a piece of something that's total, that was totally inoffensive is now gone. And Hank Azaria said that, well, I, 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 I don't know if he was... I don't know if he just decided to say, all right, I apologize to every single individual of this, you know, if I offended you. Oh, boy. I mean, you got to remember, he also does Brock Meyer, this, this, this baseball announcer who's just off the cuff, which is hilarious, by the way. But I just, I, I you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's very disconcerting because these social justice warriors, unfortunately, they're getting platforms and their message is getting bigger, and everyone is basic. and And I really hope that all that their causes are met with more resistance, not less, more resistance, and they're thrown back because it's it's so sad that years ago you could say man or woman. Now it seems as if in today's world, if you even you know if you say it, someone gets on you and says, "No, you have to say you know, like like like." Like, like, for example, if you're talking about a chairman, not, you know, subsequent groups will say, oh, say chairperson. <sighs> Language police. Back after this. This is the snow, this, this is the snowflake song. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. You can't handle the truth. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I am getting tired. Really getting tired. Of these cocksuckers. This generation's lame. You suck! All they do is complain. Ah, boo-hoo! What's their fucking deal? Freedom they want to steal. North, east, west, and south. These douchebags should shut their mouths. Shut up. They rant and rave online. For that shit, I've got no time. Hey, where's your sense of adventure? Take a fucking chance, will you? Bunch of goddamn pussies. Goddamn pussies. Pussies. Cannot say man or woman. That's their fucking spiel. I'm PC, bro. I'll throw down. Gender neutral is their plan. How's that make you feel? I'm as mad as hell. Mad as hell. Pissed off like the Taliban. The language police. Lingo Nazis. They're fucking myopic pussies. All you snowflakes practice fake outrage. They're all fucking myopic pussies. All you snowflakes practice fake outrage. They're all fucking 
sucking my a big pussy. Always use snowflakes, practice fake outrage. They're all fucking my a big pussies. Fucking my a big pussies. They're only words. It's the context that counts. It's the user. It's the intention behind the words that makes them good or bad. The words are completely neutral. The words are innocent. Creators under fire. Walking on a high wire. Can't have any fun. They're fucking up tycons. Hindering our speech Our limit has been reached Don't fucking tread on me Fuck participation trophies No child these days ever gets to hear those all-important character-building words You lost, Bobby! You lost, Bobby! Cannot say man or woman That's their fucking spiel Microaggression Cultural appropriation Gender neutral is their plan How's that make you feel? I'm as mad as hell, mad as hell Pissed off like the Taliban The language police Lingo Nazis They're fucking my epic Pussy, snowflakes practice fake outrage. They're all fucking my epic pussy. All you snowflakes practice fake outrage. They're all fucking my epic pussy. All you snowflakes practice fake outrage. They're all fucking my epic pussies. Fucking my epic pussies Fucking my epic pussies So say goodnight to the bad guy The Lawrence Ross Show Thank you for tuning in tonight Currently about Let's see uh, 46 minutes past the top of the hour For this particular part of the program Thanks for tuning in Shout out to uh, Sterile. He's been uh, liking some tweets. So thank you there. Thank you very much, man. Greatly appreciate it. All right. Let's see. L- l- let me just uh, let's see. Hang on. Let, let, let me get this thing here. Uh, geez. What the? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, okay. Hang on. Uh, all right. I can get into this real quick. This will be fun. Stand by. Oh, dang it. <laughs> I always turn that knob down. I, I I don't know why I uh I don't know why I do that. Get on the microphone in a serious manner. The Howard Stern Show. Hey now. The Phil Hendry Show. Oh, I love Phil Hendry. And all the other radio shows in between. Have a bad night. <laughs> it's time for radio history with Lawrence Ross. All right. Now this excerpt comes to us April twenty fourth, nineteen eighty seven. In Washington, D.C., the Howard Stern Show was there doing a live broadcast in support of an anti-censorship rally. As the show had gotten hit with some FCC complaints, but they persevered. And there were a lot of people there. I think about 5,000 people, I think, 
One of the people there was Al Lewis, who played Grandpa Munster on the Munsters. And he asked uh, he asked Howard for the microphone, and, well, this happened. All right, so you got 60 seconds, Grandpa. Say something to the crowd. Say something to the crowd. And say it with a clean kind with of way. With a clean, like yeah. the way you do. Yeah. First of all, I am so happy that we are all here together. I mean, that is beautiful. That's beautiful. It's beautiful, man. And we all know why we're here. Why is that, Grandpa? So you can get young boys? No, 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 no. Why is it? Why are you here? We're here because we all have a purpose in being here. And that purpose is to say, fuck the FCC! I mean that that that's a case of him totally missing the point of the rally, and you're not supposed to be, you know, as 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 much as much as, much as you want to say that on regular radio. Look, man, standards and practices just won't just won't allow it. But either way, I think it's pretty bold of him. I think it's pretty awesome. And this is back in the day where they didn't have a delay, or delay wasn't you know wasn't 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 what it was wasn't up to standards i guess they couldn't dump it out so it went out over the air went out the air uncensored and then and then later on the broadcast you got a couple uh uh you got like 20 fans or something chant fuck the fcc fuck the fcc and they're like oh gosh man can you guys seriously man we're we're, this this totally goes against what we're trying to do all right grandpa get out of here Uh. (laughs) oh man oh man Outrageous. I don't know. We're gonna go sedate, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! And that that moment is on uh, an album called "Crucified by the FCC," which features a lot of the elements that Howard could not play on K Rock around 1990, I think it was. Uh, but uh, but it also featured uh, but it also featured uh, just uh, some other elements from the show too. So, it, so it wasn't everything that got them in trouble for the FCC, but it was. Uh, but it was. It was stuff that they had done. Uh, you know, it was. It was. It was. It was, a, it was a little. It was a little. Uh, I don't know. It was. It was a little. Uh, a compilation of. You know, yeah. It was a compilation of uh, some of the stuff they'd done over the years. There was a few. Uh, uh, some FCC. Uh, a lot of FCC related stuff on there. In regards to stuff they couldn't play, uh, but uh, um, on 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 the air. But now, what with satellite radio and all, they've uh, they're able to play all that stuff, no problem. Uh, but anyway, okay, so okay, moving on down here from the same day, April twenty fourth, two thousand three, on the Phil Hendry Show. Bobby Dooley, the president of the Western States Homeowners Association, thinks it's her right to hang her dirty underwear from a tree in an attempt to get their lost dog to come home. From Phil's Best of 2003 album, The Death of Talk Radio, disc one, cut number two, here's a very small sample of Bobby Dooley in the Dirty Panties. I've been listening to these two individuals from Mr. and Mrs. Dooley. I have never heard a more insensitive lady in my life. Mm-hmm. The underwear is slightly stained. Lightly stained with oh, what? God! God! In the front or in the rear? Oh, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> wow. All right. Now we go to April 25th, 2002, on the Phil Andre Show. Lloyd Bonafide's uh, 
grandson, he wanted to go see the new Spider-Man movie. And uh, Lloyd said, oh, well, oh, he's a superhero. Huh? Well, I'll show you a hero. And so he put on his Korea. Uh, he, he, he put on his outfit that he had when he was in Korea. And his grandson said he looked like Donald Duck. Uh, this is a small excerpt that's found on uh, the album World Famous. It's 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 like a it's like a little bonus. Tra- it's it's like a mini Easter egg at the end of uh, disc one, cut number fourteen. So here we go. He's Spider Man. Yeah, he's not a he's Spider Man. Spider Man is a man. Oh, so he has a penis. I'm quite sure he does. Cinderella had a vagina. <laughs> Cinderella had a vagina. Wow. <laughs> Oh jeez, there's 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 one thing they never get into in the story. Uh, now one more excerpt here from again from April twenty fifth, two thousand five, and again from the Phil Andre Show. Bob Green, the owner of Fraser Foods, is uh, he was in some hot water uh, because he posted pictures of female shoppers holding Italian sausages, sucking on popsicles, and corn dogs dipped in mayonnaise. He said that it was for a ladies' shopping day promotion. And the ladies are suing him because of the pictures. <laughs> and his whole defense is, well, why am I getting crap for this? But Elton John's getting married to another guy. Why am I the a-hole in this situation? Here we go. This is from the album, Are You For Real? Disc 1, cut number 12. Here's a little sample from that evening. Mr. Green, had you... <laughs> this is this guy. Had you dipped the corn dogs in mayonnaise? You know, I think it's very unfair. No, had you dipped them in mayonnaise? Oh, no. I think it's very unfair, and I think you're walking very close to a lawsuit, Mr. Henry. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's great. That is great. All right. Well, it's almost that time to... Well, it's it's it's, well, it's about that time to get into the... Well, I think it's about time for me to jump into the interlude. Uh, be back after this with more stuff on the other side, including the ending of the George Floyd... Murder trial, and I have something, uh, and I have something uh, that's tacked onto the outrow, and I'll explain, and uh, and I'll explain it when the time has come, and also I got a thing on Al Capone, uh, thunder asthma, and uh, more stuff. So keep it here. It's the Lawrence Ross Show on tf52.com or radiochaos.net. Be back in about five minutes or so. Thanks for listening, everybody. You're listening to a show hosted by a man with a face for radio. His disgusting, repulsive physical condition will be enough to convince you to stay sober. But he does have a very passionate personality. That man insults me. The Lawrence Ross Show will continue after this. I love to smoke. I love to smoke and I love to eat red meat. I love to eat raw fucking red meat. Nothing I like better than a sucker down a hot steaming cheeseburger and a butt at the same time. I love to smoke. I love to eat red meat and only eat red meat that comes from cows who smoke, okay? Special cows they grow in Virginia with voice boxes in their neck. Mm! I tried eating vegetarian. I feel like a wimp going into a restaurant. What do you want to eat, sir? Broccoli? Broccoli's a side dish, folks. Always was, always will be, okay? When they ask me what I want to say, what do you think I want? This is America. I want a bowl of raw red meat right now. Forget about that. Bring me a live cow over to the table. I'll carve off what I want and ride the rest home. Dum, da, da, dum, da, da, dum. I'm going to open my own place. Open my own restaurant and get away from you people. I'm going to open my own restaurant with two smoking sections, ultra and regular, okay? 
and we're not going to have any tables or any chairs or any napkins, none of that pussy shit, just a big wide open black space, and all we're going to serve is raw meat right on the bone, and only men are going to eat their naked men, sitting around a big giant campfire, and no men's room either, you have to piss you, mark your territory like a wolf, and if some guy has a heart attack from eating too much meat, fuck him, we throw him in the fire, more meat for the other meat eaters, yeah! Because you got to have goals. Because everybody in this room knows everybody who's quitting me. You don't have that friend who's quitting it. You know what I mean? The guy's quitting everything. I quit smoking, I quit drugs, I quit drinking, I quit meat, and I feel great. I get up in the morning with a nice big bowl of oat bran, I go to the bathroom for three and a half hours. I have another bowl of oat bran, I go back in the bathroom for six more hours, all I do is eat and shit, I'm going to live forever. My colon is the strongest muscle in my body right now. I could pass Elvis through my colon right now. And all these cereals they have, crackling oat bran and horkin fiber chunks, you know. Cereal used to come with free prizes, now it comes with a free roll of toilet paper in every box. Guys get up on Sunday morning, forget about the New York Times, I'm gonna need the Bible, I got a big one brewing here. Dad, there's a phone call, I'm on Genesis, goddammit. You tell them to call back out to the creation. People checking their own feces for fiber, you have too much free fucking time on your hands, okay? Red meat, white meat, blue meat, meat. Oh, fucking Rama, you will eat it. Because not eating meat is a decision. Eating meat is an instinct. Yeah, and I know what it's about. I don't want to eat the meat because I love the animals. I love the animals. Hey, I love the animals too. I love my dog. He's so cute. My fluffy little dog. He's so cute. There's the problem. We only want to save the cute animals, don't we? Yeah. Why don't we just have animal auditions, line them up one by one, and interview them individually? What are you? I'm an otter. And what do you do? I swim around my back and do cute little human things with my hands. You're free to go. And what are you? I'm a cow. Get in a fucking truck, okay, pal? But I'm an animal. You're a baseball glove. Get on that truck. I'm an animal. I have rights here. Here's your fucking cousin. Get on the truck, pal. We kill the cows to make jackets out of them, and then we kill each other for the jackets we made out of the cows. You will eat the meat, folks, because this country was founded on two things, meat and war. You eat enough fucking meat, you want to kill somebody. That's the way it works. That was the ultimate American dream for me during that Persian Gulf War. I was sitting in my living room naked with a can of Budweiser and a three-inch steak watching the war live on TV. I had a six-foot erection with a giant cheeseburger on the end of it. I ate so much meat during the war. By the time it was over, three weeks later, I was like, no, no, no. We, We need to keep fighting. Make a couple of stops on our way home from the Persian Gulf. First stop, Vietnam. Surprise the fuck out of those people, huh? Did you make a movie? Not this time, pal. Personally, I think Mama Cass said it best when she said, All the leaves are... Monday... The host of the show has returned after eating some pizza rolls. <laughs> Trying to book someone famous for the show. Bullshit. Or he's probably on social media pining for his audience. Ah, boo-hoo. Want to interact with this guy? Call or text 813-602-2715. Please check the number and try your call again. This is the Lawrence Ross Show. The Lawrence Ross Show. How's it going, everybody? 
Hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a uh, bit from Dennis Leary called Meat from his No Cure for Cancer album. I don't know why that rumor about Mama Cass dying from the ham sandwich, how that got started, but uh, she actually died of a heart attack. And I think she might have died in the same room that Keith Moon eventually died in. I think. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd, I'd have to look that up again. This is Far Behind by Candlebox at the moment. This is a song they did about uh, Andrew Wood, who was the original, he was the original lead vocalist for Pearl Jam. And then Eddie Vedder took in, kicked in after he passed away. But you left me far behind. Now may, yeah, 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 man. Did I mean to treat you all so bad? Oh, but I did it anyway. Oh, but may, yeah, 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 man. Met with what you had, but you couldn't share the pain. And no, no, no. Couldn't share the pain to watch you suffer. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff from my generation. From 1993 is when that came out. And I'll never forget, I was, I was like five years, I was like five or six when that came out. And I remember, and I remember, and I remember, and I remember the radio would play the daylights out of it, and I loved it. But I didn't know that he was talking about a guy who died of a drug overdose. I didn't know that. All right. Now it seems as if. Well, oh, let's see. Where's this thing here? Okay. <clears throat> okay. This little thing about uh, Texas. Oh wait, hang on, wait, hang on. I just want to get something here real quick. Stand by. Hang on a second. Okay, hang on. Hang on. I'm just doing a little, quick little live remix here. Yes, noobs. Dallas, Texas. Okay, hang on a second. I'm just working. On, okay, let's see. Let's see, okay. That. Okay, that. <clears throat> okay, good. Okay. Now, what I got is I got a story about uh, Texas uh, in regards to how regards to how they're becoming, uh, how they're putting more green jobs in 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 the uh, in the economy there, which is which is going to lead right into, uh, which is going to lead right into the uh, song I did about Ted Cruz. Just because it's fitting, not not that Ted Cruz is in the news or anything, but I just figure, hey, you know, it's Texas, and Ted Cruz is the senator there, so yeah, you know, it's it's something to uh, something kind of ties in. All right, here we go. Here's 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 the story. Here we go. In the heart of Texas, green jobs are booming. Out of the 600 folks we have on site, they're happy to be here, and they're happy to you know get a paycheck and feed their families. When it's done in early 2022, the Samson Solar Farm is said to be the largest in the country, spanning over three counties. Some neighbors wanted in right away. Other neighbors, uh, not so much. <laughs> Barry Crawford is leasing part of his land in Cunningham, Texas, to the project for 25 years. Roads, bridges. 25 years? Holy moly. How many acres is that land? Is everything across the line is benefiting. So it really is giving back some green. Yeah, it's giving back green in more ways than one yeah oil rich texas also now leads the nation in wind power texas tea oil that is 
In 2020, the state produced more energy from wind turbines than coal for the first time. You do not. Yeah. Well, at least it's it's environmentally friendly. I grab the cables. The Lone Star State quickly becoming the blueprint for a new type of blue-collar worker. Paula Harris recently retired from oil and gas and is now training for a new challenge. I think this is this is part of the future. This site for renewable jobs is run by Lone Star College and WorkRise. It's about getting them their next job, staying with them throughout the course of their career. So when you look out into this field, it's not just seeing a solar farm. You, you see jobs. You see the future. We see jobs. We see our ability to build to a million jobs for America. A million jobs for a greener future. Mireya Villarreal, CBS News. Dallas, Texas. All right. Now, I just want to explain this Ted Cruz song that I wrote real quick. Uh, this is, uh, I wrote it back in February during uh, uh, during the time when Texas had that horrible, horrible ice storm. And uh, meanwhile, while they're freezing out there, Tech, Ted Cruz, their lovely senator, was in Mexico on vacation. So this is about that. Here we go. Turns out there was, wasn't just one, there were two labs within miles of where this outbreak occurred that were studying coronaviruses from bats. He is a senator, a lawyer, and a damn loon. His constituents are frozen, but he's in Cancun. While Texas got iced over, he just hopped aboard a jet plane. Ted Cruz is fucking insane. He's a Republican who's probably against weed. This inbred looking hilljack is a fucking hayseed. I hope the Lone Star folks vote him out on election day. Ted Cruz is fucking insane. He's a skunk and he's a phony. He was once George Bush's crony. Just another inauthentic, dishonest piece of shit. Back in Texas, they lost power, but he takes a nice hot shower while he's on vacation. He's looking at Mexican tits. He's just a schmuck, a fucking clown, head up his own ass. His nose is brown. He's a disgrace. He should be ashamed. Let's kick him out because he's fucking insane. The U.S. government was funding the Chinese research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Get off my plane. The Lawrence Ross Show. And, you know, listening to that song, I still have no idea. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure if he was even I mean, I mean, I'm trying to. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this line from Mr. Cruz. Hold on, let me get it here. Where, where is it? At the Wuhan. Okay, here we go. Government. The U.S. government was funding the Chinese research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It kind of sounds like he just, I don't know, it, it, it kind of sounds like he was making it up as he goes along. Just the way that he says it, you know. The U.S. government. Anyway, enough of that. Um, all right. Uh, okay. What's this here? Where is it? Oh, okay. This, 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 this is this is a tough one. This is a real tough one to. Uh, this is a real tough one that uh, is unfortunately happening in uh, Hillsborough County, Flo- uh, Hillsborough County, Florida. There's 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 a problem with uh, uh, there's 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 a big problem here. 
On April 9th, Stacey Amory received a welcome letter from her principal at Bryan Elementary School. She had her room assignment and finally some relief. I was so excited that I get to be back next year because, you know, this whole year with the cuts, it's been up and down. You never know. This seemed to be her guarantee that she'd be teaching music again at Bryan. But a week later, she learned it was a mistake. And then for, you know, seven days later to be told, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> wow, that's 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 a little rough. I mean, I mean, I mean, in all fairness, it's it's not like it's it's not like they wrote the email then at the bottom they put P.S. Baba Booey or anything like that. <laughs> you don't have a job next year. It was devastating. Emery was one of 107 teachers who received an email Friday afternoon, telling them that the district is unable to offer them a position in the upcoming school year. Yeah. Great move, guys. Great move, guys. Maybe because, I don't know, maybe you're underfunded. I don't know. I don't know what the treasury looks like there, but I got to think you're underfunded if you're cutting the teacher. If, if you know, hey, if you drop 107 teachers from their positions, yeah, you must be horribly underfunded. Her husband got the same email. I was like, what are we going to do? What? We both just lost our jobs. What are we going to do next year? 15 of the teachers who received the email have since been offered the opportunity to transfer to another school or job, including Emery's husband. All right. So if they've offered that to 15 teachers, what do they've offered to the other 92 who they've thrown out? What are they going to offer them? Why don't they offer that to all of them? They couldn't even take two seconds to put my name on the email. Um which was very dehumanizing. The situation left Cece Gaddy, a phys ed teacher at Sumner High School, in tears. And I called my mom. I broke down. I had to have another teacher come to um, watch my kids because I didn't want them to see me crying. The district is facing a $140 million budget deficit. This is the first. Oh, well, there you go. You know, $140 million deficit. You know, yeah. Maybe that, you know, yeah, may, may, maybe that explains why y'all can't pay 107 teachers. This round of layoffs and Superintendent Addison Davis announced that about a thousand positions are being trimmed from the workforce. The district now expects that number to be about 800. This is what Davis told Fox 13 earlier this month. It's the last resort a superintendent ever wants to do is to talk about cuts in the educational sector. The Hillsborough Classroom Teachers Association, which represents the district's educators, believes these layoffs violate the union's employment contract. The organization's executive director says workers were supposed to be told by April 9th if their position would still be there in August. This scenario and how it happens to people and the, you know, the lack of timeliness, the poor treatment of individuals, we feel it really sends um, a startling message to the entire organization. A message that left some teachers needing a job, but wondering if they'd even want this same one again. I don't know if I would be comfortable working for the county again because I don't want this to happen to me again. In Tampa, Aaron Mesmer, Fox 13 News. That's a real good point. I mean, but I don't know. I mean, I I, I hope they can reach a happy medium. I would like for it to happen, but I don't know. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I talked about the coronavirus vaccine earlier in the, earlier in the program, and now, now they're saying that all adults over the age of 16... Uh, uh, now they're saying that everybody over the age of 16 can get the coronavirus uh, vaccine. And so, well, here's a little news story about that. 
now to the fight against COVID because more than half of all American adults have had at least one COVID shot and anyone 16 or older is now eligible to be vaccinated. But as CBS's Meg Oliver reports, there's growing concern over variants and a spike in cases among children. Oh, man. Still not still not out of the woods, ladies and gentlemen. We're still not out of the woods. For months, I've been telling Americans to get vaccinated when it's your Tonight, turn. as cases remain stubbornly turn. high in some parts of the country, the White House is renewing its push to convince Americans that getting vaccinated is the only way out. As I've said on this program, I think what they should do is they should change the name of the coronavirus vaccine to More Cowbell. That's that's my that's my suggestion. The supply, the shortage of locations, the confusing rules are all in the past. In places like West Virginia, which led the way with rollouts, there's already been a drop off in shots just four months after the first vaccine was authorized. For health officials like Krista Capehart, the push to vaccinate now means long drives on country roads. We definitely have to... Country roads, take me home. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding, ladies and gentlemen. All right, stand by. To develop programs, develop... Now means long drives on country roads. We definitely have to develop programs that are patient, convenience-driven. So we have to take the vaccines where the patients are. Well, no kidding. Half of American adults have now been vaccinated with at least one dose. But there is increasing concern tonight over hesitancy, especially in wake of Johnson & Johnson pausing its rollout while regulators investigate why at least eight recipients developed extremely rare but dangerous blood clots. Maybe it's a case of everybody's body is different. There you go. Today, federal officials repeated overwhelming evidence that the vaccines are safe. And what we say to anyone who has doubts about getting a vaccine, we leave it up to you. Why does this guy sound like Donald Trump to me? Voice-wise, he sounds like Trump. I'm not expecting him to say, this is the greatest vaccine ever. Look at the data. The data speak for themselves. To encourage vaccination. Shouldn't it be the data speaks for itself? New York City will offer shots under the famous blue whale at the American Museum of Natural History. Meanwhile, 13 states saw a rise in new cases in the last week. And cases in children are spiking too. Last week was the highest total in two months. One in five new infections were kids. New Jersey has the second highest number of new cases per capita in the nation. Why is New Jersey still ranking so high? One thing is the new variant, the UK variant, extremely transmissible, very infectious. I think people, of course, have quarantine fatigue. They're taking off their masks. They're opening up schools. They're going back to activities. As the race to vaccinate continues here at Holy Name Medical Center in New Jersey, which was a Johnson & Johnson site, officials tell us since the pause, they've seen a decrease in registrations up to 20%, which they attribute to hesitancy. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, as I've said, hopefully this this will be this will be the time when we're all able to uh, uh, get back to what we used to do. Uh, they 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 did announce recently that uh, concerts are coming back. I saw that uh, Collective Soul and Sticks will be performing June twenty fifth. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Dennis DeYoung trying to. I mean, you know. Uh, Dennis DeYoung doing Mr. Roboto while he wears a cloth face mask. It doesn't have the same, doesn't have the same effect to me, man. I mean, 
you know, it's just like it's 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 you know, I mean, the mask, you know, they muffle up the speech. So, like, you know, these these uh, these artists and stuff, how are they how are they going to be able to, you know, they're, they're going to have to project a little bit louder into the microphone when they do their tunes. Ed Roland's going to practically have to, I don't know, <clears throat> Ed Roland's going to have to speak up when he does uh, shine. You know, he's really going to have to belt it out. All right, uh, let's see what, what's this story I got here. I've heard. Uh, let's see what's what's this. Oh, okay. Uh, just, just, just got a notification from uh, Ken Portman out of Canada. I, th- I think he's, he, he might be listening to the show live. He says that uh, Canada still, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, he basically said that we're ahead of the game over here in America. And uh, Ken says he's not getting one. All right, then. All right. Hey, suit yourself, man. Suit yourself. All right. Uh, let's see. What, what what's this I got here? I've heard of people who get headaches. Oh, okay. Okay. This 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 is really this is a really unique uh, thing. This is thunder asthma. They they talked about this on Fox thirteen. I've heard of people who get headaches when the barometric pressure changes. Yeah. But you you're here to talk about something called thunderstorm asthma. I hadn't really heard about it myself, um, Russell, but this is a fascinating article, um, and it comes to us from Australia, uh, where after a huge thunderstorm near Sydney, Australia, thousands, thousands of folks ended up in the ER with asthma and thunderstorm-induced asthma, and unfortunately, 10 of them died. Now, this actually happened a few years ago, but now they're getting around to trying to and finally figuring out what happened. So what happens in this particular instance? Yeah, what happened, man? (laughs) You've said what happened like three times. Come on out with it, man. What happens? Why is this called thunderstorm asthma? Come on, dude. By the way, shout out to uh, Ken Portman. He's listening to the show live tonight. Thanks, Ken. Greatly appreciate it, man. Is as this thunderstorm was moving in, it happened during the, right in the middle of hay fever season, mm. and it picked up all these grains and it brought them into the upper atmosphere. Brought them into the upper atmosphere, and people must have been outside and they must have breathed it in somehow, and that's what caused the thunderstorm asthma. That's what I think. Now, once they got saturated, it popped them open and allowed those grains to freely come back down, which became wind and rain down to the ground. Typically, these grains don't get popped open like that. They stay larger, so when they get into people's noses and they get into their throats, they stay there. But with the grains opened up as a result of the winds from the thunderstorm and the rain from the thunderstorm, it was able to get into their lungs. And Russell, it cost thousands of people to end up in the ER. It was like a 673% increase from asthma attacks and just asthma symptoms and allergy symptoms in general. Since 1983, there have been 22 accounts of this happening, and 10 of those have actually been in Australia. Huh. All right. So it's just it's just kind of a strange setup. But if you think about it, it makes sense. Go ahead. No, what I was well, no, what I was about to say is no, it doesn't make sense because we always talk about we need a good rain to wash the pollen away. But in, it's sounding like in this case, that's not what happened. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. I think I got it. Okay, all right. So that that was that was kind of eh, I don't know. All right, let's see what's this here. All right, okay. Now, <clears throat> this past 
Wednesday, yeah, this past Wednesday was the 35-year anniversary of the time when Geraldo Rivera, he had that live two-hour TV special, think about Al Capone's vault, Al Capone, famous mobster, and everybody thought that his vault would have, like, guns or, like, IOU slips or, I don't know, something like that, but when he opened up the vault, he basically got, like, Nothing really exciting to speak of, and so I wonder. I wonder if when Geraldo opened up that vault and he looked inside before he described what he saw to the audience, I wonder if in his head he went, "Oh, are you fucking kidding me? This guy's a mafioso, dude, and this is all he left us in his vault. Oh, this, this, this is pretty disappointing." But anyway, here, here are some fun. Here's some interesting things about Al Capone and 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 so, and. Uh, Anyway, yeah, so here we go. If there's one thing Americans love, it's a good rags-to-riches story, even if the middle of that story happens to be filled with kidnapping, bootlegging, and whacking guys. <laughs> uh, this is from the Weird History Channel on YouTube, by the way. Along those lines, El Capone started from near the bottom of society. Started from the bottom, now he's here. <laughs> he was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1899. His parents were Italian-American immigrants, and the family lived in a rundown tenement near the naval yards. As such, the area was always rife with sailors and soldiers searching for booze and prostitutes. However, Capone's roots weren't quite what you would have imagined. Oh, okay. His father, originally from Naples, was cosmopolitan and highly educated. The family was considered professional and respectable. Indeed, for the early years of life, Al himself had no trouble walking the straight and narrow path. Ah, uh, he's a good boy. Eh, wait. Hold on to your hat, folks. It gets ugly. It wasn't until his teen years that his dangerous side began to emerge. Uh-oh. He slowly began to transform into a delinquent at the age of 14, and at the age of 14 is reported to have hit a female teacher in his school. That Donnybrook got him expelled. <laughs> I like that. That Donnybrook got him expelled. Where Donnybrook is like a mobster name. I don't know. That, that, that's a pretty cool name. Donnybrook. At the time, New York City was awash with street gangs like the Hudson Dusters and the Gopher Gang. Wow. Gangster names used to be so cool. Jeez. <laughs> uh, well, like, what are they, a bunch of hooligans? The scallywags? Capone joined up with the city's infamous Five Points Gang. <laughs> the infamous, yeah, yeah, the infamous Five Points Gang. Yeah, th those guys are, oof, don't mess with those guys, I don't think. He excelled at his work and eventually found his way into organized crime. <laughs> he excelled at his work. What, 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 was his, what, was his, what was his job title? Steal, steal, uh, steal and embezzle? Via an association with Johnny Torrio, a powerful boss who, like Capone's father, hailed from Naples. Johnny Torrio. <laughs> Does 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 that name Torrio sound like the name of a sauce you got like Olive Garden? It's like yes, ladies and gentlemen, the spaghetti. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the pasta comes with uh 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 Torrio sauce. Wait, was that the guy's name Torrio? Hold on. From Nabu, Torrio, a powerful yep. boss who like yeah Torrio. <laughs> so as I say, it sounds like the name of like I don't know yeah that it sounds it sounds like it sounds like you find it like your angel pasta angel hair pasta. Or dip your garlic bread in. You give us that, uh, uh, you know, give us more of that sauce. Thanks. Capone's father hailed from Naples. Al Capone's underworld nickname was Scarface, which is so badass it literally inspired at least three movies all by itself. Say hello to my little friend. 
I haven't seen that movie all the way through, but it's a awesome movie from what I've what I've checked out of it. Continuing. So how did he get it? Well, after getting kicked out of school, Capone found work as a bouncer in a local club called the Harvard Inn. Okay. The story goes that one night, while he was working the door, Al took a liking to a woman named Nina Galluccio. He offered to take her for a walk on the beach, but she wasn't interested. Not one to take no for an answer, Al kept after her and later in the evening shouted to her that he <clears throat> liked her backside. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if ain't all friends, I wonder if he said to her, Hey, honey, you got a great ass. <laughs> what if he did? I don't know. Anyway, continuing. Al meant it as a compliment, but Lena's brother, Frank Galluccio, didn't take it as such. Uh-oh. <laughs> Frank wasn't as big as Al, but he did have a knife, which he used to carve Capone across the face three times. It took 80 stitches to close the wounds. Oh, jeez. 80 stitches to close the wound? And he cut him like three times? That's about... That's about 26 or 27 stitches per wound, uh, per, per, per knife slice, give or take. And the lines left behind would lay the groundwork for one of the most famous nicknames in the history of crime. That's like a pretty cool, that's like a pretty cool design, I guess. I can imagine, I, I can imagine what those look like, all those scars crossing each other. That, that's got to look pretty wild. While the world may have called him Scarface, Al's friends had another, slightly less threatening nickname for him. Snorky. <laughs> Snorky! <laughs> okay, you know, I mean, you know, they didn't have stuff like that in Goodfellas. Nobody called Henry Hill Snorky. <laughs> they had names for each other, but none of them were Snorky. Snorky. <laughs> so ridiculous, called mob guy Snorky. So weird. Yes, you heard that right. Snorky. One of the most dangerous mob bosses in the history of the world was known to his friends as Snorky. Why? Because in 1920s Chicago, Snorky was gang slang for a sharp dresser, and Capone had a weakness for expensive imported Italian suits. Ooh. What if he was a sharp dressed man like ZZ Top says? What if he had the uh, the top coat, the top hat, the black shades, the white gloves, all that stuff? History also records that his friends occasionally called him the big fellow, but that one really doesn't need much explaining. Oh, okay, I think I know where that's going. Yeah. Al Capone liked nice things. Besides his fondness for custom-made suits, when Capone started making bank, he spent a great deal of it on his clothes. In fact, Capone was known to shell out in the neighborhood of $500 for his outfits. Damn, man. <laughs> what kind of fashion sense he had back in the day? It might not seem like a lot, but converted from 1920-era prices, that's the modern-day equivalent of almost $7,000. Damn! Of course, if you're spending that much on your outfit, you probably wouldn't want to see it get all ripped up with bullet holes and stained with gangster juice. <laughs> Stained with gangster juice or blood splatter from, from some guy's head because he got shot in the head and the mob guy's gonna make it look like an accident, tie his hands behind his back, throw him in the cement, and uh, then just dump the cocksucker off the bridge and then let's go home. We're gonna go back to the pool. Did Al. 
So to protect his suits, and presumably also his life, he had a 1928 Cadillac V8 town sedan reinforced with armor plating. The car was loaded with 3,000 pounds of steel plates and bulletproof glass windows, essentially making it the equivalent of a tank. And in a twist that would make James Bond jealous, the car had a few other cool extras, including holes cut in the rear and sides of the car so that he and his henchmen could shoot back at attackers without having to come out from behind the armor. Ooh, pretty smart thinking. I gotta give him that. Capone was the OG Pimp My Ride. (laughs) Pimp My Ride was this old school show on MTV where they had had like, uh, uh, where what I can gather is, uh, I think they had like Exhibit or... Paul, I, I I I can't remember the whole premise of the show, but basically, uh, uh, basically people would get their cars modified and look pretty cool, or you know, you know, look pretty cool. Uh, anyway, continuing. Golfing with the boss is an American tradition, and the <laughs> mob was no exception. <laughs> you know, some of us sound like on the uh, you know, on the course, they're like, hey. Hey, put me down for four. Yeah, put me down for four. Put Tony the Squealer down for three. Tony gets bastard. He goes to the swing his club and he slices. Capone and his men loved to go golfing, and while they enjoyed the game, what they really enjoyed more was raising a little hell. <laughs> the Capone gang was reported to have drank heavily on the course and bet ridiculous amounts of money on almost anything. <laughs> really? <laughs> even, even. Even even say like which way the ball would roll into the uh, uh, would roll into the uh, to the hole. They were also known to keep guns in their golf bags because what? when you were with a gangster in the 1920s Chicago, a shootout could break out at almost any time, anywhere. Eh, good point. But in all fairness, what if what if what if you what if you go to grab your Smith and Wesson, you accidentally grab like a three iron? On one outing in September of 1928, Capone hit the links with fellow mobster Fred the Killer Burke, Jake Greasy Thumb Guzik and Machine Gun Jack McGurn. Capone went searching through his bag for a particular club and accidentally grabbed his revolver. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, jeez, he was looking for the big Bertha, but he, got a, uh, 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 but he got his rifle by mistake. It fired a shot, and Capone was rushed to St. Margaret's Hospital. He was registered under the assumed name Al Geary to keep a low profile. Al Geary, that kind of sounds like some sort of karate or something. And presumably because he didn't want anyone to know how clumsy he was. Oops! Got butterfingers. Capone spent money like it was water. He bought fancy suits, expensive jewels, high-tech cars with armor and gadgets, and yet he never ran out of cash. Yeah, probably because he was doing so many damn mob hits. Indeed, as a Chicago boss with interests in racketeering, gambling, prostitution, bootlegging, and vices of every imaginable kind, Capone was able to amass a staggering amount of money. In fact, Capone is believed to have earned in the area of $100 million a year, and that was in the 1920s. Adjusted for inflation to $2020, Al Capone's fortune would today be worth somewhere north of $1.3 billion. Damn! Man, he's rolling the money. Or would be. Yes, that's billion with a B, making Al something like the Jeff Bezos of crime. <laughs> the Jeff Bezos of crime. In all fairness, you know, it's like they have like Crime Prime or anything like that, where you can go to this web, we can go to a website and you can just click on something and 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 like and 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 
it's 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 not like they have like crime prime we're able to we can go to a website and you can click on somebody and then you can select an option call a hit on this guy and then two hours later a drone comes by and drops a you know and and drop and drops a bomb on him i mean it's not like that but either way To maintain his iron grip on crime in Chicago, Al Capone had one simple task, take out anyone who dared get in his way. It didn't matter if you were a customer or a competitor. If you messed with the big fellow, you weren't long for this world. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I, like the, I like the description of that. If you messed with the big man, you, weren't lo- you, you, you wouldn't be long for this world. <laughs> All right, anyway. Of course, when you whack that many people, it's bound to raise a few questions. <laughs> of course. Hale had that covered, though. To keep his men out of jail and safe from prosecution, Capone put unprecedented numbers of police officers, politicians, lawyers, and judges on his payroll. He spent millions each year on bribes to keep the establishment on his side and out of his way. Oh, well, but eventually one day it caught up to him. When it came to crime, Al Capone had a keen mind, but it would fail him over the course of his life. At the age of 18, Al had contracted syphilis and never bothered to receive medical attention. I guess he probably thought either he didn't know that he had it or he just he just felt, nah, this, now I'm a badass and I'll just power through it. Untreated, the effects of the disease were severe. It slowly eroded his mind, and by the 1940s, he was reported to have the intellectual capacity of a seven-year-old. Wow, how the mighty have fallen. In prison, he required special care and was known to lash out at nurses and mumble to himself. Near the end of his life, he was reported to be little more than a shell of his former self. Wow. So twenty. So, so back in the 20s, this guy was calling all the shots... And then, and then in the 30s he was still doing it. But then, but then in 34 it all came to an end. He got sent up to Alcatraz, and he's. I, I, I think. I think he's. Uh, well, he didn't technically escape Alcatraz, but he left Alcatraz to go to a medical prison. But that that will come up in a second here. It sounds like a story from a Hollywood movie. Two brothers go down separate paths. One becomes an infamous bootlegger, and the other a prohibition task force member bent on bringing the bootleggers down. Ah, well. (laughs) Well, there you go with the sibling rivalry, folks. Yet, this was the reality of the Capone family. Born seven years prior to his famous brother, James Vincenzo Capone went off to fight in World War I and lost contact with his family. When he came back from the front, he moved to the Midwestern United States and pulled a Don Draper, changing his name to Richard Hart. Richard Hart became marshal of a town called Homer, Nebraska, where he led numerous raids against bootleggers. Marshal Hart was the type of man who preferred subterfuge to direct action, where treasury agents like Elliot Ness would take on the gangsters by kicking in the front door with guns ablazing. Hart preferred to wear disguises and catch the bad guys in the act. When he wasn't running his bootlegging empire, bribing cops and judges, or ordering the murder of his competitors, Capone was known to be a great philanthropist. Whether huh. it was all just a public relations move or whether he actually enjoyed helping the needy out is unknown. But in his time, Capone developed a lasting reputation as a man of the people. During the Great Depression, he opened some of Chicago's first soup kitchens oh. and was even known to go in and help feed the poor himself. Like many other famous gangsters, he was also famous for being a good tipper. 
When you think of Al Capone, you think of Illegal Beer, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, and Robert De Niro's performance in The Untouchables. But you probably never think of milk. Huh. All right. Yet, according to the Capone family, Al and his brother Ralph extensively lobbied the Chicago City Council to pass a law requiring all milk bottles to bear an expiration date. The story goes that one of the relatives became sick after drinking spoiled milk, and Al vowed to do something about it. Strangely, this isn't where Capone's milk obsession ends. He also invested in dairy, which he let his brother-in-law partially run. His brother Ralph was so heavily involved, he acquired the nickname Bottles. <laughs> That's interesting. But in regards to that person who drank the spoiled milk, I've accidentally consumed spoiled milk by mistake. Uh, I've, I've, I've accidentally consumed spoiled milk because I didn't know. Because when I first got here in Kansas, I remember I did some grocery shopping online and I got some milk so I could make chocolate mil- uh, uh, hot chocolate and or Ovaltine. So I get the milk and I start and I and, and I'm chipping away at it. Is as you know, pr- pretty, pretty. I would say pretty frequently. Then I'd say after about two weeks or so of me having the milk, I go to I open it up and I take a and I probably should have smelled first, but I didn't. I just took a sip, and when it was like lumpy and chunky, it was like, oh no, 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 no good, no good, no good, no bueno. So yeah, so. Yeah, that sucks. But still, I but still, I didn't know Al Capone was the man behind putting the expiration dates on the uh, milk. Anyway, getting back to this. Being vicious and brutal was par for the course as a criminal in 1920s Chicago. Well, I would think so. But what made Capone different from his competitors was that he loved the spotlight. Gangsters of the time typically avoided publicity, but Capone enjoyed wearing flashy suits and jewels and publicly flaunting the highly illegal activities he engaged in. <laughs> wow. Man. My question is, how did he not get busted earlier, is my question. Capone was so obsessed with his public image that he even hired his own press agent when he was on trial for federal crimes. Interestingly, that press agent was the writer Damon Runyon, whose stories would go on to form the basis of the Broadway musical Guys and Dolls. Oh, didn't know that. Despite being loved by the public and having half the city officials on his payroll, Capone was eventually caught. In 1931, he was convicted of tax evasion and sent to serve time at a federal prison in Atlanta. However, the prison couldn't control him. Wow. (laughs) Wow, so he was problematic even back then. Damn. Owned bribed guards and managed to maintain his influence even from behind bars. Not to be outdone, the government transferred Capone to Alcatraz in 1934. As if a nice way of saying, hey, look, this is a built-to-last prison... And no one's going to escape it. But somebody did. <laughs> Actually, I said about two guys did. Two, ma- or I think it was three. But either way, continuing. The Rock was famous for its strict security. Welcome to The Rock. And Capone's reputation didn't help him there. The guards were indifferent to him, and his fellow inmates didn't fear him. One even stabbed him with a pair of barber shears. Oh, man. You know that guy didn't care at all. He was like, ooh, Al Capone, huh? Oh, big man, huh? Watch this. Got it. It was here that the long-term effects of his syphilis began to emerge. In 1939, his mind mostly gone, Capone was transferred to Terminal Island Prison in California. Yeah. Wow. 
That's like a that's kind of like a nice way of saying, okay, this guy is so messed up. Let, let's just take him into Alcatraz. This place is too rough for him. Let's put him here. He served out the rest of his sentence and was granted parole later that year. The rest of his life was spent battling the disease, which he finally succumbed to in 1947. So there you go. There's there's a uh, uh, there's there's a great bit from the National Lampoon Radio Hour. The now the National Lampoon Radio Hour. It was a uh, it was it was a uh, um, it was his radio show. And it was a variety uh, sketch show. It featured songs, featured uh, various comedy elements and things of that nature. And a lot of the names that were in it went on to Saturday Night Live, such as Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Billy Crystal, Gilda Radner, uh, gosh, uh, Christopher Guest. Uh, man, so, 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 so many big names on there. Uh, but... Uh, those those are those are just a couple of the uh, names that I can uh, think of, but uh, they did a bit one time where it was Al Capone in a uh, courtroom, and the judge goes, "Mr. Capone, I have granted you leniency. I will not sentence you to death, but I will send I sentence you to a dose of syphilis." <laughs> and the guy bangs the gavel. I mean, I I I I don't have the bit currently but i think you get the idea all right now let's see here uh let's see a couple more well well this 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 is the big one that everyone's been talking about happened on a tuesday and i got something that will tie in uh, that will that that, that will that will kind of tie into it in regards uh, that ties in i have something at the end of the show that ties into this topic. So here we go. Well, it's related to the topic. Here we go. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin has been found guilty in the death of George Floyd. It took the jurors less than 11 hours to reach the unanimous decision on all three charges, including second and third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. The charges could put him behind bars for up to 40 years. Could put him behind bars for 40 years. How about they just give him life? Why doesn't the judge just say, hey, look, I've changed my mind. You're, you're going for life, and that's it, man. You killed another human. Moments after the verdicts were read, Chauvin's bail was revoked, and he was led away from the courtroom in handcuffs. He will be sentenced later this year. Chauvin pinned Floyd to the ground with his knee on the 46-year-old's neck for nearly nine and a half minutes on Memorial Day last year, as Floyd repeatedly said he couldn't breathe, and bystanders begged the veteran officer to get off of him. And the reason why there are so many bystanders is because you know it's you know you know it's a uh, uh, it's a police matter, so it's not like you can you know you know, it's like you can physically run up to the cop and push him away and say, "Hey, man, get off of him." No, that's that, that's assault of an officer. Cell phone video of Floyd's death horrified Americans and galvanized a nationwide social justice movement, leading to protests in cities across the country and those calls for police reform. Well, tonight, the crowds that have gathered outside of the courthouse and at the intersection where Floyd died are celebrating. We've got our team of correspondents standing by with new reporting on the verdict and what comes next. CBS's Jamie Yukis has been covering the trial and is going to lead off our coverage from Minneapolis and Good evening, Jamie. What a day it has been. Unbelievable day, Nora. No one saw this coming so fast. After nearly a year since the death of George Floyd, Derek Chauvin will spend his first full night behind bars. 
The courtroom was silent today as the judge read the verdict. Tonight, former officer Derek Chauvin learned his fate. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. Guilty of second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. Chauvin showed no reaction as the verdicts were read. As you, as, as, as is typical when it comes to Whenever I don't know, it's it's I don't know. It seems like this guy's a sociopath because that seems to be the common thing that I've often discovered when you watch a lot of these courtroom shows and a lot of these true crime stories. Nine times out of ten, when the uh, um, or 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 just in the news, basically, sometimes uh, a lot of times you'll hear this when when someone's on trial for something they've been found guilty. The reporter will normally say something to the effect of. So-and-so showed no emotion as the verdict was read. And if they're guilty, then I think that means that they're a sociopath. That's my opinion. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a licensed uh, psychologist, psychiatrist, or therapist. That's just my opinion. Anyway, continuing. He was let out in handcuffs. Outside the courtroom, a crowd erupted in cheers. <laughs> Floyd's family locked arms in prayer and rejoiced. We won't be able to breathe until you're able to breathe. Today, we are able to breathe again. The historic verdict came after nearly three weeks of testimony from 45 witnesses, several officers, including Minneapolis's police chief, tearing down the blue wall of silence, condemning Chauvin's actions. Yeah, so basically the blue wall of silence, what I can gather is, uh, it's, 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 like, it's like a... Uh, 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 it's like a secret like thing that um, that uh, police officers have where basically they cover each other's asses, basically. That's what I can gather. And the chief of police is basically saying, uh-uh, man, I'm, I mean, yeah, th- this, this, this guy may have been one of my workers, but hey, look, man, he really messed up. Here we go. To continue to apply that level of force to a person proned out handcuffed behind their back that in no way shape or form is anything that is by policy it's not part of our training and it is certainly not part of our ethics or our values it does not sound like putting your knee on someone's neck for eight and a half nine and a half minutes while they say i can't breathe i can't breathe that does not sound like standard operating procedure not at all Then there were the medical experts who testified Floyd died from a low level of oxygen caused by the officers. The activities of the law enforcement officers resulted in Mr. Floyd's death, and that specifically those activities were the subdual, the restraint, and the uh, neck compression. (laughs) There was emotion throughout the trial from loved ones and bystanders, including a 9-year-old girl and a 61-year-old man who felt helpless as they watched George Floyd die. Oh my God. <laughs> On the final day of testimony, Chauvin told the judge that he would not be testifying in his own defense. Uh, I will invoke my Fifth Amendment privilege today. I will invoke my Fifth Amendment privilege today, but I know that I'm guilty, and I know that within the next year or so, I will probably be in a jail cell, and I will probably be getting the business from my cellmate, and uh, I have messed up, and I will probably go to hell for this, and I will probably be killed in prison. Probably. I don't know. During their closing argument, prosecutors left the jury with this message. 
It's exactly what you saw with your eyes. It's exactly what you knew. It's what you felt in your gut. It's what you now know in your heart. This wasn't policing. This was murder. It was a racially diverse jury made. Yep. It was not policing. It was murder. Murder. Anyway. Diverse jury made up of seven women and five men. Half of them were white. The other half black and mixed race. I really don't see how that's relevant to describe the race of these people, but okay. After Floyd's death last summer sparked weeks of protest and pockets of violence across the country, the verdict comes at a high-stakes moment in the wake of multiple cases of deadly police force against young black men. I would not call today's verdict justice, however, because justice implies true restoration. But it is accountability, which is the first step towards justice. George Floyd mattered. There you go. So yeah, I mean, I mean, it it it, it could it could have gone either way. It could have gone either way. But at least, at least they're uh, at least at least happy medium was reached in regards to this uh, case. And uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, onto something onto something nice, and then uh, uh, then that that'll be the end of uh, then that'll be the end of the program. This this is a um, uh, this is a very nice story. This is a very uplifting story about a woman who is making gnomes to honor our fallen men and women. We'd like to take time to recognize veterans and tell their stories. But today is something a little different. We'd like to salute a woman from Citrus County and show you what she's doing to honor our veterans. <laughs> Diana Mukovich's home in Lakanto is filled with gnomes. We call it Gnomeville anymore. Ball teams, basketball, football, whatever. We've got a soccer one. We've got Batman. We've got a Harley one. Both of them have been very popular. Yeah. Each one so, handmade with guess. loving care. And I put the nose on. A wooden nose, fuzzy fabric yeah, beard. We do. And just put your glue on. And to make the bodies, three cups, she uses a lot of rice. <laughs> <laughs> Approximately. And then that is me alone, 170 pounds. Each gnome. My veterans. <laughs> named after a real life veteran. I give the whole name. I give the date they were born and the date that they passed away on a little business card and attached to every gnome. Now I've got the red. Diana is a volunteer <laughs> with Wreaths Across America, and each and gnome she sells raises uh, money to place wreaths at Florida National Cemetery in Bushnell. My father was a vet. My first husband was a vet. My last husband was a vet. And my current husband is a vet. I am very, very passionate about veterans. And I'm sorry, I get emotional. <laughs> How are you coming up with names? Diana and Randy Luer have a goal. They want 50,000 wreaths, enough to cover half the graves at Bushnell. They say that a veteran dies twice, one in the physical being and then one the second time when their name isn't said anymore. And that's one of the missions of Reads Across America is to always say these veterans' names. Randy's seen what something as simple as a wreath can do. You'll get a family come on out to remember their grandpa or something like that, and they'll hang out and they'll make it a day. And they'll they'll come to the cemetery, place a wreath, remember them. They'll take a couple lawn chairs, sit with their grandparent, their dad, something like that. 
it, it's really it's really touching it really is when you lose a loved one you don't ever lose them because it's always here so we show our appreciation and put a wreath on those graves we can unite behind something that we all feel strongly about and that's about remembering our veterans and and the sacrifices they've made for us try to keep up filling her home with crafts and gnomes a small sacrifice diana makes to accomplish her mission my goal is to fill bushnell cemetery with wreaths that's my goal and you can help her reach that goal. Visit Diana's Facebook page, Gnome Forces for American Heroes, to see the gnomes for sale. December 18th is National Wreaths Across America Day, and she hopes to sell enough gnomes to get those 50,000 wreaths at Bushnell. Uh, man. I really hope she gets it, man. I, 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 really, I, I really hope it works out. Hope it, uh, you know, hope it's, uh, hope, hope it, uh, you know, hope it, uh, hope it works out. I'm going to hope, uh, Hopefully she's able to accomplish her goal, man, because that was a beautiful story. And, well, that's pretty much all I have. I don't have anything else, really, other than just, uh, I only have, like, a couple of, I only have, like, ten minutes, but I can always end the program early. I mean, it's not like, it's not like i got to go end right at nine o'clock. I mean, you know, I can always, I mean, you know, I'm not getting paid for this, but, you know, I mean, you know, I, 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 I can prattle on for a little bit longer, I guess. Um, wait, wait, uh, well, maybe I probably. Well, maybe we should probably go and just uh, set this up, and then uh, that that should that should uh, that should uh, eat up the time that I need. Uh, so this thing I'm going to play for y'all. This is from the comedian Bill Hicks. This is from his 1997 posthumously released album uh, Arizona Bay. Uh, this this is a routine that he did in regards to uh, in regards to. Uh, in regards to the Rodney King trial, he he, he did a couple of bits about it uh, on his uh, on this particular album, and uh, what and uh, he uh, and this is cut number four on the album Arizona Bay, and well, uh, just uh, hope you guys enjoy it. And anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for tuning in. I'm Lawrence Ross. Remember, you can always check me out on facebook facebook.com forward slash blind lawrence that's the main page facebook.com forward slash l ross 1987 that's the page for the actual show twitter.com at blind lawrence instagram.com forward slash blind lawrence youtube.com forward slash lawrence ross and you can check out the merchandise tee spring.com forward slash stores forward slash l ross 1987 and if you ever miss an episode of this program all you have to do is just go to either itunes spotify or even google uh and you can subscribe you can check out the lawrence ross show and subscribe there well ladies and gentlemen that is well it's gonna do it for me ladies and gentlemen and uh i hope that you enjoy uh bill hicks and i will see you all next friday see you with your heart and do good take care everybody I was over there when, when all the riots were occurring, man. It was really strange. And I got to see, while I was over there, uh, footage of the Rodney King trial, which I had never seen while I was here. I saw footage over there of the Rodney King trial. I think I figured out why the L.A. riots occurred. <laughs> Did you guys see these cops testifying, man? Do these guys have balls or what, man? These guys carry their balls in a wheelbarrow, man. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
man with big balls is here to testify. Place your right testicle on the Bible. This guy, Officer Coon. Is life too fucking weird or what? Officer Coon looks in the camera and actually says, oh, that Rodney King beating tape? It's all in how you look at it. Courtroom murmurs, Jesus, what balls. I've never seen balls of this magnitude. This, he must have a specially fitted uniform in which to place these large testicles. That, that's incredible. All in how you look at it, Officer Coon. <clears throat> that's right. It's how you look at the tape. Well, would you care to tell the court? <laughs> You're looking at that. Yeah, okay, sure. It's how you look at it. Tape. For instance, well, if you play it backwards, you see us help King up and send him on his way. <laughs> Not guilty. Excuse me, excuse me. Man with big balls has just been acquitted. And I watch all the news reports, you know. Today, Officer Kuhn, Officer Nigger Hater, and Officer Keep Darky Down were acquitted on all racist charges. Here's Tom with the weather. Hi, Susie. It's 420 degrees Fahrenheit here in South Central LA right now. Probably a good time to get out of the fucking city, Susie. There's gust of lead coming up sunset. President Bush uh, came out and said, you know, not to worry, the justice system wasn't done with those cops yet. Yeah. In fact, Bush called together a special committee made up of the surviving members of the Warren Commission to review all the evidence. Yeah. yeah so. They came up with the magic baton theory. One baton blow just went out of hand. Shit, it's bouncing off his head, help! Would you believe I'm trying to stop it? Help me, help me! I'm getting my big balls away from that stick. Officer, keep darky down. Get Officer Nigger Hater to help you. Come on, Officer Coon, 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 Coon. You've been listening to the Lawrence Ross Show. Email the show, blindlawrence at gmail.com. There's a letter in your mailbox. Follow him on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all ending in forward slash blindlawrence. Be careful of the fucking wall! Check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Lawrence Ross. Become a fan of the show on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Ross 1987 I'll send your shiny happy ass a friend request. Rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes, or follow the show on Spotify. I search Lawrence Ross. Get out and take your Sacagawea dollars with you.
This week's edition of the Lawrence Ross Show Yikes! has just hit the brakes. Keep your ugly fucking gold brick and ass out of my beach community. You lose! Good day, sir! I was making radio shows for fun. Everybody does it. Everybody I know does. Shut up! And baba booey to y'all. <laughs>